Hey there, good evening. Thank you for listening to True Sleep. I apologize, it's been a couple of weeks. I just was not able to get episodes recorded, but I'm back in the saddle now, and I hope you've been doing well. If that ever happens and I can't record one and you're used to getting a new one each week, I'm hoping that you're learning how to take a passage of Scripture on your own and meditate on it as you're trying to go to sleep. Just pack a Scripture in your mind, memorize it, uh, then you have it there and you can think through it on your own as you go to sleep, similar to how we do together uh, on this podcast. But for tonight, we are back and I want to say a special hello to listeners in Atlanta, Georgia. Really appreciate you guys listening down there a little bit south from where I am in North Carolina. I hope you're doing well wherever you are. And we're going to read and meditate on Job chapter 2, starting at verse 11. As always, if you think of anything that you'd like to share with me that would make this podcast better, please send it my way. You can email me at truesleepfeedback at gmail.com. And I really appreciate everybody that emails me. I try to take it into account and make things better as we go. But let's meditate on God's Word and get some rest. Job chapter 2, starting at verse 11. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came, each from his own place. So if you'll recall... And let's take just a few minutes and think back, try to remember what all evil came upon Job. If you've been listening to the podcast, we've thought a lot about it. So think back, what do you remember, what do you know happened to Job? So Job experienced great loss of livelihood and family and his children, and um, he even experienced physical ailments, and three of his friends heard it. Now, when Job's three friends heard all of this evil, so Job had three friends. We just saw in the previous passage how his wife responded to his suffering, and it was not encouraging, but he also has three friends. Uh, just to put yourself in there and connect with God's Word, just think about friendship for a minute. Think about three friends that you have. Uh, if you had to list your top three best friends, who would they be? Now flip that just a little bit. Who do you think would list you as one of their top three best friends? This passage is going to have us thinking a little bit about friendship, especially how Christians should think about friendship during times of suffering. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all the evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar 
the Naamathite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. So here's three friends of Job's uh, coming from different places. They made an appointment together, probably with each other, not with Job. Job was too deep in his grief for them to make an appointment with him, but they made plans together to come and show him sympathy, sympathy and to comfort him. So this sounds pretty good so far. It's good to have friends that would do this. Can you think of times when you've been suffering and friends came to try to support you and encourage you? Can you think of a time that you comforted one of your friends when they were suffering? In this case, these three friends were working together as a team to come to Job and comfort him. Have you ever worked with other friends to comfort a shared mutual friend before? God's word says, Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and to comfort him. So they had two objectives. They wanted to show him sympathy. They wanted to demonstrate to him that they understood he was going through deep, deep pain and that they cared that he was going through deep, deep pain, that they were willing to set aside their time and their schedules and their endeavors to come and acknowledge his grief. They wanted to sympathize and they wanted to comfort him. They wanted to do whatever they could to ease the pain that he was feeling. Verse 12 goes on, And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. They raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. So here come Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, They've coordinated schedules. They've met each other, and they're coming together to sympathize with Job and comfort him. And then at a distance, they see him. Job is sitting out in the dust. He's got these sores all over him. He's in sackcloth and ashes, and he's just demonstrably grieving. And it's so painful upon him that he's unrecognizable. They don't even really recognize their friend. Grief has taken such hold of him. And remember, Job is, um, he's presented as a very righteous man. He is exemplary for righteousness. And yet, here he is undergoing extreme suffering. Just again, the reminder that even though if you are a Christian, you are righteous in Jesus Christ, God is pleased with you and loves you. But even still, 
extreme suffering can be a part of your life. And you probably know what I'm talking about already. Almost all Christians have experienced suffering of some sort. And if you haven't yet, it may very well be coming. It's good to have our expectations set properly. Can you think of a time that you experienced extreme suffering? Take about 10, 20 seconds. Just think about what's the most intense suffering you've ever experienced. Let's keep thinking along this line a little bit. What's the the most significant suffering you are experiencing in your life right now? Now let's think about our friends. What is the most severe suffering we've ever seen our friends encounter? And now think about your friends currently. Who is suffering among your friends right now? What is the most severe example of suffering going on right now among your friends? And when they saw Job from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. This is such a demonstration, just an outward demonstration of their grief on behalf of their friend. They're shocked at how bad he looks. So they raise their voices. They're crying out loud and weeping, tears streaming down their faces. Can you picture them there? Can you hear in your mind what that would have sounded like, what that would have looked like to see these three men. They raised their voices, they wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. Sometimes I think that we would be way healthier if we had culturally understandable and acceptable ways of expressing grief and pain and sorrow I think especially as Christians, we tend to feel like we need to pretend that we feel okay at all times, and that if we demonstrate sorrow, that it's demonstrating a lack of faith. But the Bible doesn't really indicate that. All people suffer, and it's okay to feel what you're feeling, and it's okay to demonstrate what you're feeling. I would say it's even healthy and important to demonstrate what you're feeling. You don't have to keep it hidden. And perhaps if we could start to be more open about the suffering that we're experiencing, others would feel comfortable doing the same. And we could sympathize with one another and comfort one another. 
what would be a culturally acceptable way of verbalizing or demonstrating that you are suffering in today's age? That question again, so you can think about it for 10, 20 seconds or so. What would be some culturally acceptable ways that we could verbalize or demonstrate that we are in pain and suffering here and now in today's age? They raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. Verse 13, And they sat with Job on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. So picture that. They arrive to their friend Job, who is going through the hardest time of his life, unrecognizably, changed by the amount of suffering he is experiencing and they are undone by it they are now grieving too because they love their friend and so when they arrive they don't immediately start talking to him they don't try to talk him out of his grief or say anything it says they sat with him on the ground so that's the first thing they did was they joined him physically where he was, just being present with him. They sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. So for a full week, they just joined him. And no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. They just silently joined him where he was in his grief. Now, there's not anything that tells us that these three friends are exemplary and that we should model ourselves after them. In fact, when they do begin to speak to him in the next passage, uh, the, the conversation is not always exemplary. It's not always something that we should follow. But this scripture does give us an opportunity to think. Put yourself in Job's position. You're there on the ground. Just try to imagine it. You, you have lost your family. You have lost your livelihood. You have lost your physical health. Your spouse has turned against you. And so you're sitting on the ground. You've torn your robe. You've shaved your head. You've, you are just in the deepest, blackest zone of grief. And three friends come. And you hear that they were upset at the sight of you, how upset you are. And they just sit with you and they don't say anything. And they're extremely patient as they're sitting with you. And they stay there throughout a full day. And they stay there throughout another full day. And then another one. And on through an entire week. Now, again, there's nothing scripturally that makes us, this is just what happened, so it's not held out for us as an example of what we should do, but it seems good, doesn't it? 
not to come in with a lot of words, not to try to explain the suffering, not to try to tamp it down with soothing words right off the bat, but just join someone, be present with them. It seems good. It seems Christ-like. I mean, he came and joined us through the incarnation. And really, he just was with us for about 30 years before he started preaching and teaching publicly. Uh, There's something that rings true about it. So as we conclude meditating together, I would just encourage you to do two things. One, think about times when God has sent good friends to come and sympathize with you and comfort you. And just thank him for that. Thank him for those friends. Thank him for those times that that he helped you through those friends. So that's the first thing. The second thing is think outwardly toward any friend that may come to mind who is undergoing suffering right now. And just visualize yourself doing something like this, just going, just being with them, not trying to fix it, not trying to be the savior or the hero or anything like that, but just out of a desire to sympathize and bring comfort, just bringing your presence and just spending some time with them. So those are your two things to be thinking about. Thanking God for times that he brought you comfort through friends and then picturing yourself bringing comfort to one of your friends in a similar way. And let me pray for you. Father, thank you for my brother and my sister listening right now. And I pray that in their times of suffering, maybe right now as they're listening, maybe that's why they're restless tonight, or if it's in the future, that you would bless them with good friends who would sympathize and comfort them. And I pray, too, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and empower them to be good, sympathetic, comforting friend to to their own friends who may be undergoing suffering. So I commit them into your hands now in Jesus' name. Amen.